Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Center of the Galaxy. This is the Four Center Podcast feed. This is one of our main shows, one of our Bakta tanks of talk. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsock. Happy to dive on in. It's such a warm, healing goo. At least I think it's warm. I'd hate to think it was cold, especially if you're wearing those little Luke Skywalker underpants he had on. Uh, but anyways, we'll talk about the warmth of Bacta another time. That is right. You know what? I am going to say as somebody who has experienced a, a lot of hot and cold, the extremes grown up in Minneapolis where it uh, really swings back and forth. That is some warm goo body language that Luke Skywalker has in that Bakta tank. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a cold goo body language to me. Yeah, no. 
he's expanding, not uh, constricting. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is not what we're here to talk about this week. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about something that uh, I think we've kind of been nibbling at the edges of this. We really wanted to dive in this idea of where you start Star Wars. Uh, we have a certain perspective that we really try to be uh, honest and upfront about. If we grew up with the original trilogy, and that colors our perspective on on some bits of Star Wars. And uh, we had the great experience of uh, being on a a, a podcast, um, a a fundraiser uh, this uh, past weekend, where we got to talk to some people who grew up with the prequel trilogy. We know that so many of our listeners had that experience. That we just really wanted to dive into that idea of well, how does it change. Uh, your fandom based on where you start Star Wars. But before we get into that, as always, want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, this week we are recommending Tempest Runner by Kevin Scott. It is a High Republic adventure. If you'd like to have one of those, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. But Ken, there are more adventures. There's more to be had. We have another offer. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link inside editions.com slash discount slash fc35 this week we're recommending the inside editions book the secrets of the sith again use the link inside editions.com slash discount slash fc35 holiday season's coming up maybe you want to get a little star wars book to put it in a stocking so there you go there's an option <laughs> The sheave in the stocking is just a beautiful thought uh, for children of all ages, I think. Anyway, Ken, let's uh, let's get into this uh, big main topic. Uh, I think it is fascinating that both inside the story of Star Wars and here in our strange real world, uh, Star Wars is always has been a generational story, right? And in our life experiences, I know you and I have seen a lot of strong opinions shaped by what part or era of Star Wars, uh, you know, people first encountered and fell in love with and, and said, ooh, I love that, that's Star Wars. And I think that's true of lots of other, you know, long-running genre worlds of Star Trek and Doctor Who and James Bond and comic books and also things like music and Saturday Night Live, right? Your opinions of what they are can be so informed by how you first experience them. So we wanted to dive into our perceptions and discuss all the changes in Star Wars over the eras. But before we even get into the Star Wars specific, Ken, I'm, I'm really curious about your journey with this idea. In general, how have you noticed or processed this uh, perception in yourself where you like something in a certain way because of when you first encountered it? It's 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 funny. It's always been present. And I love that some of the other things you've brought into this discussion. Saturday Night Live is something like a lot of folks uh, uh, grew up watching, grew up wanting to be on. Part of the reason I moved to L.A. to go to the Growlings, all that kind of stuff. And I'm one of those ones who will debate certain casts simply because those are the casts I saw first. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's just that thing though. They always say the one the SNL cast from your college days is your favorite. And there might be some truth to that for me. It's junior high age, but uh, so I've always had that perspective. James Bond's another one. I'm a Daniel Craig Bond fan because those are really the only ones I've watched. <laughs> first one in theater was Goldeneye because of the video game, I think. Uh, and uh, I became a Bond fan through 
uh, Daniel Craig era, which would make the other ones seem probably a little different to me once oh, I yes. finally sit down and watch them. Um, so I've always been aware of that, but I think I've been a little bit more of like, no, the way you should is this, this, this. And that has absolutely changed over the over time where now sometimes I'm just quite frankly jealous of others who get to experience <laughs> Star Wars or any other of these things in a different way than I am fascinated by those tales and and uh, happy to be there at that point in my life versus um, a pounding of the fist over which is uh, which way to 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 see it you know yeah yeah exactly I, I think it once you kind of like accept that that is a truth that generally happens to a lot of us if you accept that truth uh, it's very freeing because then it's like, well, what could I learn from other people's perspectives, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's partially about where, what was the thing like when you encountered it, right? Is, is mm-hmm. it just like like uh, every every Saturday Night Live performer should be like Dana Carvey, <laughs> right? <laughs> because right. that's what you were introduced to, or is it like music should be like this because that's what you're introduced to? But it also just it, it, it's so much about um, the world that we grew up in, right? I think a lot of our opinions. Uh, and and responses to things are formed by growing up when you're being trained uh, to hide under a desk mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for a nuclear holocaust. And right. also with the awareness of hide under your desk just in case. Not going to help, <laughs> but let's do a drill anyway. That's a specific mindset to grow up in, right? Yes. Uh, and, and it's just so fascinating to be able to learn from other people of, okay, how old were you when you first saw Star Wars? And what music did you love and what kind of generational fears did you have? You know, what kind of things did you think made something automatically dumb when you sat down to watch this part of star Wars, you know, and, and understand where other people are coming from is really rewarding. Um, yeah. yeah. I think for me, kind of like trying to process this, uh, I had a kind of a weird moment really in my life where I was, I was such a hard rock guy, uh, mm-hmm. listened to a lot of classic rock. I had a, uh, hard rock band in uh, high school and college and I played the drums and I wrote some songs and for a while there it was really like that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna be a famous drummer kind of thing mm. um, with my bandmates and then you know I kind of fizzled out there's a big change in music uh, you know I was a big fan of Nirvana and kind of initial grunge and then a lot of that kind of faded away and I uh, out of out of listening uh, to like some of Sinatra's weirder songs out of comedy I discovered like, hey, wait, I actually like a lot of this music. And I just kind of fell out of step with the 90s. (laughs) And sometimes I regret that, um, missing some of the things. But I had this experience where I kind of just like totally in a lot of my listening shifted to this other other time. And and it gave me this perspective of like, okay, well, like some of these, the musical style of swing is very different. Uh, but also it's 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 a different musical approach at some of the same ideas as rock and roll. And I always remember this very specific moment where I had become kind of interested in all this entertainment from an older time. I bought this uh, old record of a uh, Benny Goodman concert, big band concert, uh, which at, at Carnegie Hall, I believe the concert is in 1938. The records were from the 50s. Uh, but it had on the back a review from 1938. Wow. And the music reviewer is talking about how kind of inappropriate it is that this loud, fancy, and not mm-hmm. fancy, this loud, aggressive swing music with the pounding drums and some of them moan while they play. Like the, one of the keyboard players is moaning and you can hear it on the mic and it's not really, you know, appropriate <laughs> compared to classical music. Uh, but I guess it's going to be the thing for the next generation because my daughter was 
gyrating in her seat next to me. <laughs> and for me yes. to come to this and, and like at that point, I even had like, ah, I wonder if I can tell some of my buddies that I'm, you know, more into swing now because they'll laugh at me because it's so old and fuddy-duddy to hear that that all happened before and that's all gonna happen again (laughs) was this real generational epiphany moment for me ah man i I love i love all this i love talking about all these other things before we really dive into the the weeds on star wars uh it's it's so true in our tendency to to fight what what is coming down the the path, huh? Right. We love doing that. All of us as humans have this ability to be like kids these days. And, and, uh, music is a big one. Uh, and it's funny. I mean, you're talking about the nineties and that's obviously where I really came up in the music, uh, music world. So you, you and I can talk about space hog versus the uh, squirrel nut zippers all day, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's just this tendency. And, and I stopped that at one point and I, and, and I, and I found myself doing that, you know, that, that thing of, of fighting against what's coming down the line versus just kind of number one, realizing it isn't for me, but two, also discovering what might be there for you. And that's been rewarding too, as uh, my love of music has gone on and changed. I always give the example of Lady Gaga. When she first popped up, I was like, how stupid is this stupidness? <laughs> and I just like, meat dress. Da, da, da. And I remember one time seeing her perform on Saturday Night Live, quite frankly, uh, ironically. Um, and I just remember going, Oh, that's a talented person just wrapped up in a package. That's uh, not something I've followed before. What am I doing? (laughs) And why do I, why do I, why am I struggling with admitting that something new might also be for me or something new is just that something new for other people. That's so great. And yeah, for me, I'm I'm a big Lady Gaga fan. And, and part of it was uh, learning just a little bit about her background and like yeah. I was like oh well, she's modern day Sinatra she is this big personality yeah. who is going to uh, do things the way that she thinks they should be done has this uh, Italian background and there's just like <laughs> this energy this forward energy she's a like modern chairman of the board <laughs> yeah and seeing yeah I think that's the thing too is if you open your mind you can see the connections between the past and the present and see sometimes it's like the expression how we express ourselves changes and definitely mm-hmm. some of our you know, perceptions change, but you can also find the connections, the, the things yeah. that don't change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, and I, you know, and, and I, I sometimes just want, you know, those who are enjoying the current stuff to give a little grace and forgiveness to those as we catch up. <laughs> sometimes I say, I, you know, talking about music where I'm like, I'm a huge YouTube fan. YouTube quite frankly saved my life uh, during a very depressive uh, part, part of my existence. Uh, Church of Bono was something very important to me, as I would say. And, you know, over the time, over the years, they gave everyone a free album and everyone hated them. And, uh, you know, when I run into <laughs> someone who's like, they suck, I'm like, they might suck to you, but they literally, literally sang me off a ledge. Yeah. Uh, you know, just it goes both ways. Uh, and you just, uh, you're, that's an example too of you looking into the past with Sinatra or so different style of music and finding what's there for you. It goes both ways too. Yeah. No. And, and that was a part of it for me for was Sinatra. Like I hadn't heard, you know, he's got the, the, the swing songs that are up and he's got the saloon yep. songs that are down. And I needed, I was in a down place and I needed to hear that, you know, and I, and it wasn't somewhere I was finding in, in modern music. Um, you're, you're talking to this, but I'm really curious how you go about, you know, balancing, uh, these ideas where, you know, for example, you're letting yourself enjoy something like music that Mm -hmm. is of your day and you like it because it's of your day. How do you balance letting yourself enjoy it while also 
you know, saying, but modern music that I might not enjoy is not bad just because it's not the same as mine. Um, by no one, number one, I don't have to give up my Gin Blossom CDs and, I, <laughs> and CDs. I don't have to give them up. No one's coming for your Gin Blossom CDs. <laughs> if, uh, you know, if I'm watching, um, this came up again. And if our, our buddy, uh, Alden uh, Diaz was listening over Octo Radio, he's a big fan of, uh, what's your name? Do a, do a Lipa, do a loop. I can't even say her name. <laughs> I don't know. I now I sound like the old guy. And, uh, and I was watching a, a, a Netflix show and, uh, and, you know, and I was watching like, it might be, this is pop or song explode or one of those things. And I was like watching Brit pop stuff, which is, I'm an Oasis fan. I'm like, yeah. And then like the next episode started playing and it was going into her music. And I was like, let me turn this crap off. And before I could press the button, I was like, wow, well, this is interesting. This is, <laughs> okay. This is interesting. And it's like, you know, the Brit pop stuff is always going to be there, but this next generation, like, I, let, let me shut up for a while. And, and, and it's a different kind of talent, it's, it, but it's talent. And, and so I think there, it's a hard balance. And I think, I think the hardest thing is when you change could come along and you can sometimes feel replaced and realize that's maybe your perception. And that's not necessarily the case. Star Wars, original trilogy era, prequel era, you know, uh, you, you sometimes feel you're being uh, pushed aside <laughs> and, uh, and you just got to work through that and, and keep perspective and, and know that it's, uh, it's, it's for everyone, but also it could be for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all well said. I think, uh, for myself, it is just a matter of, you know, honestly, you're, you, no one's coming to take your gin blossom CDs. There's stuff I like that's like, yeah, no, I know this is, uh, you know, um, this is from my youth and will always held this special place, uh, in my heart, but I don't need other people to like it. <laughs> yes, I don't need yeah. music to sound like this anymore. And I can listen to modern music and sometimes I'll find something like, wow, that really speaks to me. Uh, probably because it has some relation to <laughs> yeah. uh, older music I like. And then uh, you're just trying to be curious, right? And saying, mm -hmm. well, this might not be for me, but why is it speaking to other people now? You know, yeah. and trying to find a way in, even if it's not about me super enjoying it, going, what a, what is it about the cultural moment that this is resonating with people? This is, a, you know, an opportunity for me to try to understand. Mm. I love it. All right, well, let's dive into, before we turn into just a, a 90s music center. <laughs> <laughs> so close to doing it. So close, so close. Uh, yeah, let's dive into uh, the Star Wars of it all. Let's talk about our own life experience growing up in the original trilogy era. What elements of Star Wars do you think are important to you because you grew up in the original trilogy era? Like, what things are on your list of, like, for years you thought, this is what Star Wars is. This is what Star Wars should be. This is what has to be there that came yeah. from being an, an OT era kid. Yeah. And I, I fully admit that some of the, the words I'm about to say probably come from just looking back now and they weren't coming out of my mouth at seven, eight, nine, 10 to 12. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but when you try to figure out what was there, uh, I look at discovery journey and then saving the day which does translate a little bit into you know going back to the early days of force center when he used to say the war over the lore a lot just meant i liked watching the the rebellion fight to save the day it doesn't mean the jedi weren't or wasn't interested in some of the philosophies or what luke was doing but i i, I was a little bit of a han guy in the sense of i got a blaster on my side let's go fight let's go let's go do it and i thought that was there for me and, and that's 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 the truth but i was a little i looked at it obviously different differently when I was younger because I wanted to take my figures and go in the backyard and fight. I wanted to pretend I was 
fighting the empire or some days pretend like I was fighting the rebellion. We'll, we'll talk about that later on. In life. <laughs> um, but really uh, what also pulled me in what I think is, is, is it's that hero's journey thing. Uh, I love the discovery in, in the star Wars stories. All three of those movies have Luke learning something, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Now this is happening. Uh, Leia as a sister, Vader's a father, all those kind of things. Uh, and then uh, going uh, out on that journey, I've, the, the twin sons m- moment is, Twin Sunset is so powerful for a, a reason, right? And 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 how we connect to that, even if we don't fully know why when we first see it. So therefore, it's those kind of feelings that I like to have and feel need to be in Star Wars, which, by the way, I think they are, which we'll discuss. They're just packaged <laughs> differently. But I, I saw it those ways, and that's what I always kind of connect with it. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. That epic emotional journey of all the characters, because, you know, not all the characters, I guess. Uh, Leia is pretty steadfast, but she does go through some changes. She opens up and and admits her feelings uh, uh, to Han, and they connect. But but Han and Luke in particular, I remember, you know, not as a kid, but more as a teen and as a young adult before the special editions and the prequels came out. When I sat down to watch a terrible pan and scan VHS of a new hope. It was always like, let me go on this journey again. And I would marvel while I was watching a new hope at like how far they're going to come in just three movies. And I really internalized that. It's it's the epic journey of individuals, you know, becoming Uh who they were meant to be. Um, Can can I jump in on uh, There's some that I I can't remember ever talked about this, but it, I, you know, reading the the New Hope novelization and reading all three of them, but I remember as as seven or eight years old, reading that book, getting to the end of it. Now, I've seen the movie. I have it on a TV <laughs> copy, uh, you know, taped off the TV. You could watch it in time. But I read, I read the book, and I remember going back and scanning, when I finished it, going back and looking through different parts of the book early on. And just like, I'm like seven or eight, nine, daydreaming about like, oh, remember when they were on Tatooine? Remember when that Tuscan Raider got him? As if it was an like ancient lore within the story, because <laughs> what you're talking about, of I just loved that they were on this journey. Yeah, how did he get from from there to where I know he ends up? I know I've yeah. seen the beats again, but I got to go along with it. How did he do it? How did he get there? Yeah, so there's something about that sense of just kind of the straightforward epic journey that I think is is baked into the original trilogy really clearly. I think uh, I think you said it so well. These are not things that I could have. Um, uh, spoken, you know, I didn't realize I was internalizing them, but now as an adult and from a more analytical perspective, I can put words to them. I think some of the things that, um, that really got into me is a preference for star Wars being more fantasy than science fiction, right? Same. The, um, the romance of a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Like you're flipping over the first page of a storybook. Uh, I so felt that is like for me growing up, like, uh, not that Star Trek doesn't have some weird stuff in it, but Star Trek always had this air of this could possibly be where we get to if we become more enlightened and we mm-hmm. and as a society, we're our best self. It's a I always as a kid internalized it as a possible future where Star right. Wars was this fantasy that happened a long time ago. So so into the fantasy, mm-hmm. so into because of the general tone of original trilogy and also probably because I missed some of them, I've always been kind of stuck on i don't want there to be overt references or connections to the real world you know it's why it squeezed me and uh i don't care what universe we're from that's got to hurt really bumped because i had internalized like you don't reference real world things star wars is a fantasy (laughs) yeah in another galaxy i've loosened up about that one i also think one of the uh, 
other big things that I internalize where I feel like Star Wars can have a ton of variety is how you handle romance, like actual, you know, uh, two to more people mm-hmm. <laughs> falling in love. Romance yeah. is we saw Han and Leia fall in love in this great old Hollywood Bogart and Bacall uh, snappy banter way. Mm. And when that's the only romance you've seen, you're like, well, that is romance in Star Wars. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I realize that that's something I internalize. And like, there's a million different ways to tell stories of romance in Star Wars. That's just the way they did it here, you know? Yeah. Um, final thing for me is a, a phrase that I go on about a lot and we talk about a lot on Force Center is the tip of the iceberg storytelling style. Mm-hmm. There was so little expectation of where are all the answers, right? I The benefit of growing up with uh, wondering about the Clone Wars uh, or, hey, where, where'd Leia get that bounty hunter outfit, you know? Or I, I remember one thing I always wondered about is, they made such a deal in A New Hope of Luke and Han having to go to the gunner positions in the Falcon mm-hmm. in A New Hope. Like, is there someone in the gunner positions uh, in the Battle of Endor? Or are, are those automated now? Like, right. and internalizing that tip of the iceberg storytelling style as an opportunity to wonder and not as something to be frustrated because the filmmakers didn't give you all the answers and when are they going to? That's a huge perception uh-huh. that has been baked into me from the OT. I mean, yeah, I'm going to say right there with you on that one. And I've always thought there was two wonderful rebels sitting in that turret in Endor, in those turrets in Endor. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it didn't. It, uh, my memory of coming out of uh, Return of the Jedi at seven and, and looking up into the stars and wondering and asking my mom, who did not know the answers of, oh, but, <laughs> but, 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 but what was Obi-Wan and his dad friends? Just having those questions because... Uh, I wanted to know and didn't think I'd one day get the answers. Uh, but, he, you know, yeah, there's a spirit of wonder that comes comes with that iceberg storytelling. Yeah, yeah. So those are some of our, our I think, um, uh, opinions, uh, knee-jerk reactions to Star Wars that were formed. So looking back, uh, what do you think you resisted about the prequel era because of some of the opinions that got baked in by mm-hmm. being a person who grew up with the original trilogy? Man, t- oof. I, I, I will start with this. It, the the look and feel being different, some by choice with, with George and some by just where technology was in the 90s, uh, I it really rubbed me the wrong way at first, right? Like literally mm-hmm. from the beginning, it's like, oh, oh, what do I got? What do I got? It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, it doesn't look the same. Uh, that's faded away over time, except for, you know, there's still, again, that's why I say it's of its time. Mace Window will step down onto Geonosis and it definitely looks like he's standing on the blue screen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just, and, and there's nothing you can do about that unless George wants to do special editions. And I guess what still would not be opposed to that. <laughs> What's the way to do it? Um, so I think that's where it started. Right. And that made it easy to reject all that came after, uh, which is just a different way to tell the things I do love, but I wasn't engaging with it. I just, my defenses were up. And then that tip of the iceberg storytelling wonder that I had started to get challenged because George was going back to answer it. And I do think I had a lot of, I don't think that should have happened. I think this should have happened this way type of blockage mm-hmm. to those stories. So even when I was like, ah, oh, Duel of Fates is pretty cool. Oh, that fight, oh, I love the sound of Sebulba's pod. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Which are, were our spices. They're not the big themes, but they're a pathway to appreciating the bigger stuff in those movies. 
uh, the, there, I always say, you know, the seismic charges, which I love, it's just that thing. It's that final shot on the golf course that, uh, you played the, you played badly, but that last shot was good. And you're going to come back next time because <laughs> you're thinking about it. And seismic charges were that for me. That's why I bring them up so much. Uh, they were, it was important for me to go, I didn't like a lot of that stuff. Oh, but those charges were great. So I think I just was blocked from seeing that particularly in Phantom Menace because that set the tone for the other two, even though I was waiting first day tickets in hand, ready to go. But that Phantom Menace set the tone and any rejection I had of that era came out of my initial feelings, uh, from the Phantom Menace, I really think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I had, you know, yeah, a, a long list of, uh, of assumptions and, uh, some of it was about growing up with the original trilogy, but some of it also, I think, was about growing up in the era that that we did that, yeah. you know, we've talked about before where um, there was a kind of just a, a push towards uh, the, the grim and the edgy. I think a lot of that comes from, uh, you know, in the 80s, to me, there was kind of like a holdover of a lot of entertainment being safe and like nothing ever changed on a sitcom unless it was a very special episode where somebody lectured you about drugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise it was very, everything was very safe. Nothing ever changed. So then when, you know, shows or, or movies started to be like, well, the stories are connected, you know, or mm. and a character can die. Then it became so cool, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think for me, that is that slippery slope into, you know, in the era that the prequels came out of wanting things to be edgy. Cause it meant they were real. It meant they reflected, mm. Mm. how scary the real world was. And it was a pushback against the insincerity of, of in, in the unrealistic nature uh, of shows where nothing ever changed and pretended everything was fine. Right. So yeah. y- y- for me, there's a, there's the, what did I want out of star Wars? And then there was what, where was I in this uh, pendulum swing between, <laughs> you know, joyful and sincere versus, you know, gritty and real. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think because of that, one of the biggest things I resisted is just the different character designs, particularly the CGI, right? Right. Um, like Ben Quadineros was like, he, 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 Ben Quadineros' weird little smiling face was in the perfect middle of the Venn diagram of me going, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because uh, just, just the bias of the technology, right? Of like, yeah. aliens aren't shaped that way. They're not like weird little cartoon characters because they had to be humans in suits or puppets <laughs> yeah yeah they can't be you know weird head faces on legs uh-uh and and it's too cute uh-uh um <laughs> now of course i love ben quadineros and i really appreciate that yeah he was an evolution of technology and lucas going look we're expanding the palette i don't want to yeah. just keep it what it was i want to go places but i resisted that at the time um mm-hmm. I, I think a big thing for me is this sense uh, that the Jedi were nomads. Just the way I always interpreted Obi-Wan's like, well, when I first uh, met Anakin or found Anakin, he was like, I just was really like, Obi-Wan's like, I've been trained as a Jedi. Now I'm wandering. Oh, I found this guy. I'll train him. Like yeah, yeah. the idea that they had this structured was like, what? <laughs> oh yeah. You know? And I had to process through that because of um, some of those assumptions. Um, and, and I think not being ready for being so primed for the story of, uh, the Jedi were great. They were the guardians of peace and injustice in the old times. All these people running around who are just as noble and powerful as Luke Skywalker. And then being introduced to the story, we're like, eh, no, they've already, they've already got some problems with yeah. such a, a big stumbling block. Yeah. 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 I, I remember cluing into that by, by attack of the clones that, wait a minute, something might be wrong with the Jedi. And that kind of tweaked with me, that kind of messed with me. And I, and I then in turn messed with my friend over it, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a little twist. Yeah, yeah. Last big thing for me that I wanted to ask you about in particular mm-hmm. is um, 
I think one of the big things that's different about the prequel era is we are mostly spending time with people who have power, right? It's a Jedi and politicians and uh, business people. Uh, And so much of the charm of the original trilogy is you are spending almost all your time with underdogs, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and in particular, a big part of the charm of the original trilogy is the the uh, roguish down and out Han Solo type. Right. Yeah. Did you miss that in in the prequels? Is that part of what you push back about of like, where's my Han Solo type? Yeah. And, and I remember that that came up and that still might come up by some people who throw criticism at the prequels. And, and by the way, throw criticism all you want, because, you know, not every movie is impervious to criticism. And there's some things that are, are, are there to challenge me still for the prequels. Um, but yes, that was part of it. And maybe a little bit more spark. It might have been the Harrison Ford of it all. Right. Where, where Harrison and, and Carrie, let's give Carrie Fisher all that credit, that bogey Bacall thing you talked about is something that you know, still might fuel my uh, relationship. Like I still think I have to remind Grace, like, no, I grew up watching two people bicker in a fun bantery way, <laughs> right or wrong. <laughs> like that's, I like to tease, you know, like, it, 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 it informed me. And then the prequels has a, a different time. It's a different era. It is, uh, it's not unlike watching, uh, you know, uh, a movie from a different era, a different way of speaking, different way of approaching, different way of design. And I think there was a little bit of a, I felt there was a spark missing those films that I don't think is missing now because I think mm-hmm. as Obi-Wan gets older in the series, he's got a lot of salty snark to him that I like, that I like that I didn't really appreciate early on. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that was some of it there, but, but also it's almost another conversation thread, but just going back to some of the dark and gritty stuff you were saying too, is um, I think I was expecting more of that. And um that not only not only was that not there, I think I just uh, I shouldn't have expected that because that was never going to be there. I don't think. Right, right. It, it, we've talked about a lot. Is is you know our experience of the original trilogy as we grew older, we focused on the the parts that were dark and sad and brutal, mm-hmm. and uh, his dad cut his hand off, <laughs> and yeah. we ignored some of the levity and the silliness and the fun that is there. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, the final thing I want to ask you about this whole roguish uh, character. Mm-hmm. I want you to check my work. Do you think in The Phantom Menace, the closest character to a down and out uh, rogue like Han Solo is Watto? Is Watto as close as we get to Han Solo in The Phantom Menace? Might be. Might be. Um, I've always... I've always liked Watto and I know there's, you know, at, at any point in time, you'd have discussions on how the character was presented that I, I understand. And I'm, I'm there for those deeper, serious discussions, but I always did like Watto cause it might've been that I, I felt like Watto at times just like, Oh man, oh, it's fine. Take it, take it, take it. <laughs> I lost. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some I, I could get behind that. I thought you were going to say Jar Jar for a second. Well, yeah, I mean, no, that is a really good point. That yeah, Jar Jar is not a high power character, and that is that is his one of his many charms and and kind of moral points in the film, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to uh, the the mid nineties. We'll come back to the prequels. Uh, some fans really did get hooked in the mid to late nineties by the books, the Thrawn trilogy, but also the wider expanded universe that is now, uh, of course, called Legends. Uh, for yourself, imagining if this is how you started in Star Wars, what do you think would be different? What do you think you, you might care more or less about in Star Wars? 
Look, this is, man, I, I don't know, because this is one of those things I, I always want to, it's like a stepping on a field landmines here. Uh, I, I don't want to offend uh, the EU, EU fans. I just so wasn't there for it after those Kevin J. Anderson books and, and um, the first Thrawn trilogy I read and am very thankful for. I don't know. It might be that there's an expectation that Star Wars is a little more, um, I don't want to just say like the power fantasy grab, that kind of thing. They were dealing with things with um, the Force and all those kind of things, but I I heard something this weekend from Matt Martin uh, uh, being interviewed on that uh, charity stream. And it was something really interesting about, he was asked directly by uh, uh, Pete at Around the Galaxy of, you know, Denny Vel- Villeneuve, Dune, a lot of people have Dune. Uh, would he would he be right for a Star Wars film? And Matt was at the risk of offending people, said, I love his work, love Dune. I don't think he would because his work has a bit of somberness to it that I don't think is, is present in Star Wars, that shouldn't be present in Star Wars. I'm paraphrasing a little bit there. And that struck me because I look at the mid-90s as a little more somber in a way, uh, brooding maybe more and somber, a little more dark, a little bit more about uh, the, the, the power grabs of the Force and, and the clones, all those things. I just did not, after a while, I did not connect with it. Didn't, which is interesting because then I went, I got older and then went straight into prequel era, wanting that somberness and grittiness. <laughs> As you got a little older and you know, and, and you're in the real world a little bit more. But here, and that stuff came out my late high school time into my uh, first couple of years in college and everything. And I just wasn't reading as much, number one. So yeah. if anyone has some other examples where that's, oh, no, there was a great, funny, wild, goofy EU book. Maybe there was. Um, <laughs> I just, I, by then, I, I, I was out. I was out. Uh, I just didn't think it was as good. And I just, it, it didn't feel like Star Wars to me. And I think that might, looking back might've been some of it. This is, again, I'm trying to be as careful as I can here, Joseph. Oh yeah, no, you're sharing your experience and, yeah. and we're celebrating that everybody has their own experience. Yeah. You're not yeah. telling anybody else they're wrong. That That's, you know. And, and yeah, and, and there was a lesson, you know, I, you know, like I'm not a huge fan of the character Mara Jade at the end of the day, but I also have to recognize that at some point that was like, other than Leia, the only female character you might've been able to connect with in Star Wars, right? Yeah. In a roundabout kind of way. Uh, Leia had what winter her aid. Um, so I have to, I'm always very respectful of that. And again, I, we, without the Thrawn trilogy, I don't know if you get the fuel for the fire of the Star Wars passion that, that burns a little bit later on in that decade. So that's why I'm always thankful for it, but yeah, I don't no, know. I'm spitballing. Yeah, I'm I'm hugely uh, thankful for it, and you know I've got friends who've told me like, no, that that's the beginning for me. That's Star Wars for me, and that's totally what this conversation is about: is wanting to respect that. And the Thrawn uh, uh, trilogy, when it first came out, I read it right away. I got them all in hardback. Uh, yeah. Um, I spent some allowance money. Um, and I think for me, without really realizing it, that was my first experience of what we're talking about, where I have my opinions about what Star Wars is already baked in. And sometimes it can make it hard to try something new, right? Right, right. Uh, I, I've said it before, that very beginning of the Thrawn uh, trilogy where uh, Luke is drinking hot chocolate and like, ding, right away for me. <laughs> for me. <laughs> Real world, right? <laughs> Real world. Like, no, no, I, I, I could go make hot chocolate. I'm here for fantasy, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, that very early on, you know, uh, Obi-Wan visits him and says, I, I got to go now. And like, and I'm, I was like, that's not how the force works <laughs> uh, for me. Like, because it's, it's fantasy. It's not science fiction with rules of yeah. with those kind of rules of like, he went, he ran out of force points. So he can't be here anymore. Like it didn't feel spiritual to me. It felt technical. Right. Um, right. It, it, and so this was one of the first things that I, I read all those books and I enjoyed them, but I really wrestled with, are they, are they what I, you know, are, do they feel like star Wars? You know, another thing of the movies is, 
the original trilogy in particular is they are adventure serials. They, they go from one problem to the next in big adventure mm-hmm. set pieces, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking like, am I getting that same thrill from the books? Uh, so those are some of the things I resisted. Trying to put myself in the mind place of, you know, I was a, I was a big reader uh, and was able to disappear into fantasy worlds that were just books. If I hadn't experienced the movies and mm-hmm. I just came in here and I didn't have any of that baggage of asking, is this science fiction or is this space fantasy? I think I would have really fallen in love with the intimacy, right? Mm. Of Because reading can be much more of a personal react interaction. Like you can watch a movie alone, but there, for me, there's something different about you're curled up on your bed. Or yeah. <laughs> when I w- was reading around this time, I was curled up by the space heater in my bedroom uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'm reading inside the characters minds right yeah and then if i get hooked as the legends go on i have this long intimate personal relationship with the access to the thoughts of luke han leia lando mara jade thrawn and i think it would for me it would have built this like uh relationship where i i want i for star wars to be good i want as many as much intimacy as possible. I want as much information as possible. And I want the story to keep continuing because that's what I got out of those books. Mm. That's, that's, that's a great, that's a great point. Well said indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And that can, that can drive a lot of things that uh, go from book to a uh, screen, huh? Yeah. <laughs> adaptations uh, automatically aren't as good as the books. I think that's the big factor and to have that in star Wars. Yeah. Back then. And that's your entry point. Mm, powerful. Yeah. Yeah, so moving on from the books, because we, we got a lot we're trying to cover and still keep a reasonably length podcast. Uh, we know that many of our listeners uh, grew up uh, with the prequels, uh, might have seen original trilogy at home or might have seen a special edition, but we're in that sweet spot of, uh, you know, a little bit younger and the prequels just are their Star Wars. Uh, given the, you know, the different style, the different technology, the different era, the different character uh, focus, if you had seen the prequels First, what do you think you might have focused on as a fan? What what do you think you might have fallen the most in love with? Um, I think it would be big giant set pieces, pod <laughs> races, uh, lightsaber fights that are flipping and flopping around in in, in the best of ways, and that uh, and the speed at which all of it was done compared to, you know. Um, Bob Anderson or Prowse and Alec Guinness fencing, you know, right. Uh, you know, I get the spirit behind that remake of that scene. I think that remake of that scene forgets the spirit of the scene, quite frankly, but I understand it. Like uh, if Lucas had made new hope in 2008, that's probably somewhat of a fight we might've got, I think maybe, maybe, but I, 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 yeah, it would have been that it, it was, it was modern filmmaking and filmmaking of the time, uh, uh, you know, you know, Matrix, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Lord of the Rings, big, giant set piece type of action stuff. And Star Wars had that. I mean, Mustafar, Kenobi, Skywalker, big, epic fight. And I think I would have, uh, in the best of ways, wanted that in, in Star Wars going forward. And again, for, for the time, I think it is there in the in the prequel, excuse me, in the original trilogy era. It's just they shot it and had to make it differently than George did then or now in the sequel era. 
Yeah, no, I love that you're gravitating toward that. Of like, yeah, Star Wars has big action set pieces. It has space battles. They fight monsters. They lightsaber fight fast. Yeah, <laughs> all those things. Uh, yeah, that are that are. Yeah, I think it's very well said that. Yeah, they're absolutely there in the uh, original trilogy. It's just a different time, different technology, different perspective, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, I think for me, uh, when. I think about or like this weekend on the charity event where we really just got to to hear the perspective of people who grew up uh, with the prequels, uh, you know, that just that sense of joy, like Phantom Menace is a very joyful film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so growing up with that sense of joy, for sure, it is hard for me to imagine being more obsessed with Jedi and lightsabers <laughs> right. uh, because I grew up that I loved Han, I loved the roguish tone and all that, but that was what drew me to Star Wars is this fantasy of a Jedi with their lightsaber moving things with their mind. I I, I know I would have grown up even more obsessed with Jedi and, you know, right, right. wanting to memorize all their names and not having any baggage about like, ooh, I thought they were more nomadic. <laughs> it's so fun to not, you know, to imagine myself being 10 years old and not even knowing what the damn word nomadic meant and just meant like, ah, could I ever become so powerful that I got to sit on the council and like have no yeah. resistance to it, you know? I think it would have just been, and I was as an adult, it was the, one of the things that kept me tied to the prequels and is because I love the Jedi and the lightsabers, but, you know, I think it would have been even more into that. Um yeah. And then the thing for a big thing for me is to think about how would I have related to Anakin, you know, because I so related to Luke Skywalker. And I think, you know, seeing myself in Anakin is the young, hopeful kid that listened to what adults said and then kind of held them to account of saying, well, you already say that we're supposed to help people. Well, let me. And then I get to go on this adventure and then, oh, but I'm sad that I had to leave my mom thinking of how that would have affected me. And I know it did affect a lot of people, but then being sort of tied to that character. And instead of getting the story of that, that I grew up with of, of Luke triumphing, Mm. I think I would have uh, had a a really great uh, emo goth (laughs) phase where I would have related to Anakin of like, yeah, Mm. it started out. So, so pure, so good. When am I going to just bleep it all up like Anakin? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, that's wonderful. That's yeah. Yeah. uh, The yeah, I love the, the, the view of the Jedi is a hundred percent different. If you're seven, eight seeing Phantom Menace, then it's really different. You're not us going, wait a minute. They, the, the, you're telling me the Jedi uniform was the same as Owen Lars. What's going on here? (laughs) What's going on here? I always yeah. we talked about our experience of seeing Phantom Menace for the first time. I I remember a lot of laughter around the term Padawan. Oh but wow, that's so weird. A seven year old's probably like, "Oh, what now? Oh, that's great. I want I want I want the I want the braid now." Right. I want to be a Padawan. I can do it. Uh, you know, I can pass my trials. I can be the youngest Jedi Knight ever. Yeah. yeah and I'm all like, that stuff. Yeah. You know, who's this Qui-Gon guy? And wh- wh- why is he wearing <laughs> Owen's robes? And wh- what's a Padawan? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't Samuel L. Jackson swear more? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. All that stuff. Uh, one more question for the first half of our podcast here. Uh, what do you think it would have been like to have just the Clone Wars animated series of like, that's the first thing you saw, you know, you're, you're a little younger, maybe your parents didn't take you to the movies in the theater and you're just checking out this Star Wars thing that everybody's talking about. Uh, you get to see it every week on television. Uh, would you have grown up with just great compassion for B1 battle droids? What else would be different for you? You would have. You would have felt bad for them. Uh, yeah, I, this, I'm fascinated by the Clone Wars as an entry point um, Star Wars perspective. 
I love it. I lo- I want to talk to more people about it. In fact, again, going back to on on, on this the, the the Potathon charity stream we were a part of this week, uh, and I don't remember who it was. I was setting up the tech, so I wasn't watching. I was listening. Uh, it was five five folks on the screen doing kind of a, a roundtable discussion. Uh, apologize for not remembering the names. I want to give them all wonderful credit because they're Star Wars podcasters. But someone said on the show, "Well, you know me. I I saw the Clone Wars animated series first. I didn't like Luke. I found Luke Skywalker to be annoying. And The Last Jedi was the first time I liked him. And <laughs> That's I had, so great. Yeah, and I had the initial reaction of, "Well, wait, 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 wait." So I stopped what I was doing, set up the camera and everything, and then you know immediately 15 years ago would have been like, well, let me tell you why you're wrong. Now it was like, wow, what an interesting thing that the son of Anakin, the the hero you're walking around, you find annoying. I want to know more. And how much does come from seeing just Anakin at the height of his power as Anakin. Yeah. Being Anakin being the good guy, being, being the brother to Obi-Wan. And because of that series, that's fascinating to me. I don't know all of the details. I want to know more. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, and we're really trying to have this conversation imagining from our perspective, and obviously we know uh, there's a lot of people out there that we can reach out to and try to hear those opinions, and, and we do yeah. try to keep our ears open for those opinions, so uh, we're just trying to kind of go through the role-playing exercise, yeah. and I think for me, um, the Clone Wars, what really popped in my head when I really imagined that's the first thing I saw, I think I still would have gravitated toward Obi-Wan, because he's yeah. just, he's got that fun snark and he's got that like uh thing i always gravitated towards the 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 leader character who's like kind of got a little bit more of a calm i've got this vibe right so i think even Mm -hmm. as a kid i would have been into to obi-wan and uh one of the life experiences i always remember is you know i watched he-man as a kid and i love merman and (laughs) he-man did this great thing of not all of skeletor's hench people were in every episode so every day that i watched he-man the main thought in my heart was, is Merman going to be there? <laughs> so I think I would have watched the Clone Wars just every episode of like, is Obi-Wan going to be there? Is he going to have yeah. a big role? Is he going to, is it going to feel like he's, he's going to be in there? But then he actually leaves after the briefing scene. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it would have been all about, you know, how much Obi-Wan content am I getting? <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, uh, yeah. and Hey, and more Ahsoka, more clones, more Rex, all those things. You'd be craving that. Yeah, I think I think that is another big thing. Like, obviously, Anakin's journey in the prequel films is the journey of becoming a Jedi, but we kind of skip over the the training, right? He just mm-hmm. uh, gets assigned, and then he's a Jedi. I think watching Ahsoka take those steps, make those mistakes, the the, the, um, the feelings that she expresses in the film that other people are going to think she's not old enough and she's desperate mm-hmm. to prove herself, I think that would have landed so great for me as a kid and been so relatable of like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. You know, let me prove myself, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting to think that. And I think we do see this because this was as a beloved character and I grew to appreciate her. Right. I was more like, who's this, who's this snips character snipping about grew to really appreciate the character that that's, that's your hero, right? If you're a close yeah. kid, that's your hero. You're following her path and you get these other folks out of the way. Yeah. I mean, Yoda might have expressed the concept that the uh, student is going to surpass the master in The Last Jedi. The Clone Wars, the entire show, is an exercise in watching that happen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where Ahsoka finds a better path. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I would have just spent a lot of time uh, waiting for Obi-Wan and wishing an awesome Jedi would train me. Yeah. Don't we all? 
<laughs> and with that, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll get into the more modern era of Star Wars and what it would be like to start there. Back in just a moment. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we are back to continue our discussion of where we all start in Star Wars and how that might affect how we feel about Star Wars in the big picture. We're going to get into the era of Disney Lucasfilm and the explosion of Star Wars storytelling. Uh, Ken, one of the 
big first bits of storytelling that I know a lot of people was their entry point into Star Wars uh, is the animated series Rebels. What elements of Star Wars do you think are really emphasized in Rebels that that you might have gravitated toward if it was your first thing? Yeah, let me let me scroll back up. Discovery, Journey, and Saving the Day. Hey, previous <laughs> answers of mine, which were uh, present in the first episode on, and I'm someone who's talked about it before, 2014, despite lessons learned, despite a softening stance on the prequels starting to happen in my head, I, I still had a wall up to season one of Rebels, at least the first couple episodes, and wasn't seeing what was there and not uh, seeing the value of it. So I think if you're entering through Rebels, I think you with Ezra being one of the main characters, Sabine and all these characters that are there. I think that I think is a sense of, of family and what is home. And, and I really think a sense of discovery that's that show has so much self discovery based on things you learn or things you learn about yourself and how you adapt it and change and grow from it. It's so prevalent in Ezra and Sabine Kanan is a teacher, uh, Hera as, as a fighter and a mother uh, figure to all there. And, and, and plus, you, you know, it would have been a sassy uh, uh, chopper, the fart bot there too, would have been that, either <laughs> one of that. But I think that stuff is all there. And I think, I think it's even, even in a stronger sense, that connection, that family unit, uh, what that means to those people and, and this home that is constantly moving and uh, how you can take that into the bigger fights. Yeah, no, I am absolutely there with you. I think for Rebels, it's just the, that sense of family, in particular what Star Wars has to say about family, that it's not just blood, it's uh, found family. And mm. that, it, you know, your family can be this great strength and you can there can be this great fear that you're going to let them down or not live up to their expectations. But that idea of, you know, any group of people could be your family in any place could be your home or like with Sabine's journey, you could have two families and two homes, right? And yeah. what feels right to you in, in Zeb's journey to, of, of feeling like he's alone to learning that he's not, you know, yeah. um, all the Ezra's connection to Lothal in, in the world and the family he lost and the, the new family he found. And just such a picture of uh, that, that comes across so quickly as a, uh, uh, Kanan and Hera, you know, uh, running this weird family yeah <laughs> you know is a real like uh loving but challenged mom and dad you know totally yeah totally. and that's i think that's i think there it, i think there was with rebels an effort to connect as you are doing with some of the feelings of the original trilogy yeah. um and obviously family is a huge part of all of star wars it's a huge part of uh the prequels but the prequels are almost more a little bit to me about loss of family you know Mm -hmm. Anakin failing to quite find that that comfort that he's seeking uh whereas the original trilogy is so much a discovery of Han the loner finding a family right Leia the person who's just about honor really uh finding this family you know Luke obviously mm -hmm. having this relationship with his father that huge sense of is Carrie Fisher sometimes just has said in interviews so beautifully like it's about family that's so mm -hmm. present in Rebels yeah, and going, yeah, the original trilogy being about gaining and, and prequel trilogy being about loss is so true and how those connect and the and the circle, the rhyme, the poetry, but that's really there and how it does, yeah, the it, both at play in Rebels in a way, you know, how to yeah. recover from the loss, how to gain all in one show. Yeah, I think you said this too, but because it is the story of the, the beginning of the rebellion uh, from a certain point of view, I think I would be even more aware as a fan that like, 
Star Wars is the story of choosing when and how to fight, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is story is the story of knowing you really should help people, but when are and how are we going to, right? There's such great stuff about, uh, you know, kind of th- this thought of like, well, we're just this, we're, we're kind of a cell, but we're really just getting by, right? We're not yeah. joining up this whole big thing and it gr- blossoming into like, yes, we are. You know, we are, we have our family now, but our family is a part of a larger thing and we should be. I love that you said that because uh, the why of, of uh, the, the the choice to fight, right? The why, the why and the hows and the what's and all of it, all of it um, is so, is such a different perspective when I think about it, because when it, when it landed in my lap, the fight was already going. Yeah. There's no question. These are the good guys. These are the bad guys and we're fighting. And it didn't mean we weren't analyzing the, the, the warrior's journey and, and Luke, Luke's path and what that means to be a warrior and, and, and a hero clearly there. But I, I'm a kid going, cool, look at those toys. And they're fighting. <laughs> and we know that we should be have rebels kind of go, yeah, okay, maybe we know we should be, but, but how hard is it and why? And ah, that's a great point of, of you. If that's how you began in 2014, you have a different perspective on some of the bigger questions. Yeah. Cause obviously Luke, Luke and Han both, you know, resist the call in this, uh, you know, hero's journey kind of way uh, for mm. sure. But I think a lot of rebels is like the details of that. Uh, right. resisting the call and, and coming to answer the call very importantly. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on rebels before we move on? Other than it's, uh, it's, 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 it's such a great series. And I still feel the need to apologize for some of my snark in the summer of 2014. <laughs> uh, understood and noted uh, here on Force center. Uh, we will have our official apology show at some point and see how long of an episode that is. Uh, so obviously we have some uh, listeners here on Force Center, and I know there are many people out there, and there are only going to be more who came to Star Wars from the sequel trilogy. And this is so wonderful and interesting to me because the, the sequel trilogy uh, to me is at least partially about the next generation stepping up, uh, learning from the older generation, but becoming <laughs> the new generation. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that's an idea that that fans who came to Star Wars through the sequel trilogy might really internalize? Like, mm-hmm. hey, thanks, people who grew up with the original trilogy, uh, <laughs> but this is our fight now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yell at Han, sure, Boomer, and you move on. No, um, but really- <laughs> Yeah, I don't mean that in a derogatory no. way. Well, no, I, I'm joking a little bit, but I think that's, that's so- that's so there because all the other things we've been talking about there, discovery, journey, hero's journey, uh, loss and gain and why you fight. That's all there. Right. It's it's it, it, you even have it front and center even more. But because it is about if if you're watching it and I always go to like a younger age, but it doesn't necessarily mean you sat down to watch Force Awakens and you were 10. You, I, we know people who are a little bit older. You know, hell, I know people, friends of mine are like, oh, my, that was the first Star Wars movie my, my, my mom saw. She loves it. She loves Ray. <laughs> Um, so just trying to focus as I can on, on that generational thing. Yeah. I think you have to, you're experiencing, okay, I'm going to discover who I am and what I should be doing and how I should be doing it. I'm going to go on this journey. And then also the weight of everything that came before me is on me. And I have to discover myself with that and my relationship <laughs> to that while that generation and other people are yelling at me. I mean, think of that as a star Wars fan too. Imagine being a, you know, 10 and, 
and telling someone, I love, uh, I love Ray and, and Force Awakens and have them go, wow, rah, 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 and it's a Star Wars podcaster. Like, and you have to just develop your love of Star Wars and your love of your, you know, your, your Star Wars journey with that as well. I think there's a little, little bit of, of that sense uh, if you come about in the sequel era. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, I think Ray's story, when I try to kind of imagine myself, what if I grew up with, um, the sequel trilogy and maybe even saw these old movies on, on, you know, streaming or on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. But then this was the one that first like uh, really hooked me. Cause I had uh perspective characters of, yeah. you know, if I, if I came to star Wars and Ray was absolutely my perspective character, that's so powerful to me of somebody who initially is like, so excited of Luke Skywalker. I thought he was a myth. Who, who is this older generation? wow, it seems like they want me to be a part of this big world that they're a part of. It seems like they're telling me, you know, I am good enough, but also there's this other, Luke's grumpy, and at first he's he's telling me that eh, you're just young and naive. And then and then I got this, this fascinating Kylo guy who's specifically making this argument of, you actually don't belong in this story. Yeah. I think that's the thing that would have really hit me, you know, is um, who knows how I would have grown up if I was that age. But in my real life growing up, you know, I I, I felt a lot of the stereotypical pressures of the time of uh, being too nerdy and not being right. stereotypically masculine enough. And I, a lot of things, uh, my talents, uh, you know, uh, made me drift towards arts, not towards sports. There's a lot of things that made me feel uh, I recognize that I, I grew up with a ton of privilege, but mm. I, I grew up feeling othered. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so to to have a character like Ray, who's so likable, clearly so powerful, and to have this kind of push and pull of people saying, hey, it, this is your time. Pick up the blade and go. And other people going, you don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. Or you only belong here if I validate you. That would have hit home to me as a young person so powerfully. Yeah, well, because we didn't, we, you know, we grew up with Star Wars was this brand new thing. And even some of the adults I knew and I had a, a friend of the family. I remember so young, it's early memories of him pull, showing my dad his Kenner collection. And it was like, Kenny, do you like this? Come join me on this. We can both join this together. Where you, now you do face the, oh, you like, oh, please tell me you don't like the new Star Wars. <laughs> it, it is going back to our music discussion. It's like a parent pulling out a box of LPs and going, kid, here's rock and roll. Learn it and love it. And then you go, great. Also, I just got this new Kings of Leon album. And they're going, no, no. <laughs> rock stop in 74. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is that's really powerful, and I think that's you know one of the great things about the sequel trilogy is it does it has rhythms with the the real world. How, how do you think if you were a young person uh, seeing Star Wars for the first time in a substantive way, uh, the sequel trilogy, and you felt like it was your Star Wars? How do you think you'd feel about Kylo? Would you would you relate to him? How do you think you'd feel? I think uh, honestly, if, if you take if you take Ken at twelve to fifteen and jump him into the sequel era, uh, I would have connected with Kylo. I absolutely would have, uh, uh, in, in the sense of, because um, there's a danger there. Kylo, there's a, there's a simmering rage in Kylo that comes from different spots than other characters. You know, the, the, the legacy thing, the parents that I think um, feeling on the outside when maybe they want to be the inside and, and not getting it and not and, and feeling frustrated. There's a dangerous rage there. That's That's the big thing of Kylo. And I think, uh, I'm not saying I was a rageful kid or everything, but I had a lot of, you know, 
had a lot of that stuff. And I think I would have kind of been like, no, Kylo, Kylo's right, man. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully, you know, you grow, hopefully you grow from that. But, um, I, I think I would have real. I love Kylo now. I think I would have been, I would have grown my hair. I would have wanted to have a face scar, <laughs> you know, would have wanted. Yeah, no, I did want to have a face scar. Like, yeah. uh, a very early theater show. I did a, a comedy sketch show. Uh, one of the other actors, we were doing a fight scene, a dumb fight scene with a uh, plastic battle axes. And uh, my friend actually hit me in the face uh, with a plastic battle axe. <laughs> and there was a big cut. And I was like, I hope it scars. I hope it scars because I want to be cool. I want people to think I'm cool. And oh. If I have a scar from a battle axe, I won't mention it's a plastic one for a comedy show. But <laughs> a battle axe, like, so I, that's kind of Kylo, right? Of like, yeah. not, It's not like he was begging for a scar, but he... He felt so wounded inside. He wanted people to see him as wounded, right? Yeah. He wanted him to see like it's the things that have been done to me aren't fair, and so I it, the the world is corrupt. So I'm just I'm just being honest, you know. Yeah, yeah. And instead of processing, working, and growing from it, uh, you know, going forward with rage and anger and, and fighting things. Yeah, I think there's there's again, and I think that's maybe adolescence for everyone. I'm not saying I'm unique in this, yeah. but I think it would have connected that. By the way, Plastic Battle Act, great punk band that opened up for that <laughs> band that your dad thinks isn't rock and roll. <laughs> Absolutely. Plastic battle axe. Uh, yeah, I think I would have really uh, been moved by Ray's journey and also like, yeah, tempted by the dark side of of Kylo. Right. I mean, I think it is a power of seeing, you know, a, a character who is wounded and feels misunderstood and the power of ultimately being able to kind of honestly, uh, in some ways, Kylo's. <laughs> you know, uh, like the journey I went through with the prequels of like, you know, every, everything's grim, dark and like, yeah, no, the, the world's rough, but look, your parents love you and you made some mistakes. Uh, give Ben Quadraneros a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts on the, on the sequel trilogy growing up with it? No, no. I mean, yeah, we could fill hours, but yeah, fascinating. Yeah. And, and like I said, we're, we're trying to process this through, you know, role playing and imagining ourselves. I think also for the sequel trilogy, it really should be said the uh, amount that the representation representation opens, uh, you know, so many people up to seeing themselves in Star Wars is so important. And that would have been, you know, yeah. I, I wish I got to grow up with that. Yeah. No, I, I think the question of who's your favorite Star Wars character is uh, much more always been important, but much more, uh, much more important now because there's some yeah. more choices and more to come, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on then, uh, of course, one of the uh, big strengths of the Mandalorian and uh, good old baby Yoda, as he used to be known, and it's maybe still known to some people, uh, they brought in a lot of new people to Star Wars. Uh, I know mm -hmm. I heard stories from people in my life of like, yeah, I like Star Wars or, you know, uh, one of my kids likes Star Wars, but the whole family, everybody likes the Mandalorian. Um where do you think your focus would be if you had started with the Mandalorian and it's, it's strange wide appeal? It would have been with cuteness, right? You must have all things cute in Star Wars. <laughs> I, it would have been much more intimate, right? It would, it would have been, uh, you talk about like the book, uh, the book reading uh, thing of, of being inside the character's thoughts. If Mandalorian is the first thing I'm watching of any age, but particularly a younger age, I'd almost be like, how could you tell this story in two hours in a movie? You want me to go to a movie that moves so fast? Uh, <laughs> I need time. I want to grow with these characters. I want to spend time. And I think the the adventure of the week kind of thing would have been okay. I think it would have been something that you expect. Very a lot of us were, were fighting it. Not everyone, but and I think most people came around on it. Um, see the point of it, but you know what I mean. Where they, it was, it's slower paced in terms of the character development. I think would have been the thing that would have uh, pulled me in a little bit more. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that idea of, uh, if you're watching something that's a television show, a little bit more like, uh, how how am I supposed to know this character if I haven't seen them have at least three meals and take two naps? Come yeah. on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is you. You are go- they obviously have adventures, uh, but there is a little bit more of this. So like, look, we're just trying to get by. Like, we got goals, but really, that big picture perspective from Din uh, in the first season in particular is just like, I'm just trying to get by. Uh, you know, I got, I got a commitment to, uh, my found, not found family. I guess it is his found family. Uh, yeah, yeah. but I have commitment to my family of the other Mandalorians, but now I got this other thing that's pressing on me. And I, you know, it, I think that that perspective of, uh, not somebody who is trying to fight, you know, a big war initially, but somebody who's just trying to get by, that I think might make people feel like a lot like, well, the best Star Wars stories are where we really know the character and we really follow them through their their day to day, their weird, exciting, galactic day to day. But still that sense of the day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean, go ahead. We, we got to grow up with the the bounty hunters as well. I mean, it, and it's it, it is funny now in perspective of just like that, you know, incredibly short. <laughs> uh, yeah. meeting basically like a you know let, hey let's all get together at Starbucks in the morning and talk about what our job assignments is let now let's go <laughs> like that's basically what we got in Empire Strikes Back you almost yeah. have to pause to actually see Dengar in the film yeah yeah and that was enough uh then followed up with Jabba's Palace but that was enough to just light our minds on fire with excitement about bounty hunters this is such a bounty hunter perspective. What do you think that would be like to, to have led with the bounty hunters as the main characters? I, I you know, it's so funny. I, I was always going to say like, it's, oh, we, we'd all be Ray and force awakens Jedi. I thought they were a myth. <laughs> they're not, the, they're not what makes the story go around. There's this thing off to the side. What makes it go around is us here on the ground, the smugglers, the scoundrels, the scum of the galaxy. We're the story. Yeah. Star Wars is all about making deals. <laughs> <laughs> And yelling Mando when people walk in a room, yeah. Yeah, exchanging goods for services. That's the heart of Star Wars. Um, Because, I mean, there is a lot of that. Uh, I wonder, obviously, a a huge, huge uh, appeal of The Mandalorian, I think, for viewers of all ages is just how incredibly successful Grogu is, right? I mean, he is relatable and lovable, and, and, and he's this weird fantasy creature that also seems to, like, just trigger all of our instincts uh, to care for <laughs> young. <laughs> uh, how do you think that would have affected you if you were, we were growing up? Do you think, um, do you think you would have been more excited or feel differently about becoming a parent because of Grogu? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's some connection to that. It's about, I was thinking almost from the other perspective of, uh, I would a- automatically start thinking about when it's time for me to leave the nest, I guess. Uh, oh know, yeah, would have been at twenty two or seven. Um, but yeah, because uh, I think a lot of that is there's the big stuff about parenting and and uh, growth within Dinjarn. But there's a lot of uh, Grogu's represent a, represents a lot of uh, belief, faith, and not, not just sort of spiritual stuff, but feeling something you can't fully connect with, and feeling with connecting with something bigger that you're not fully understanding until maybe it's right or maybe it happens. And I'm just trying to put myself in, and again, you said up top, like play acting, like, like role yeah. playing. Uh, if I'm 14 and watching this, what does that represent? And it's almost the twin sunsets in a longer drawn out 
uh, thing. And, and, and I wouldn't be watching that final moment with Din crying and thinking I'm Din. I'd be thinking I'm Grogu. Um, <laughs> graduate, graduating high school, uh, graduating junior high, move anytime I had to move on to the next school level, I was, I was terrified of it. I, I had some, I had some issues with that, you know, like what's next. And I, I, uh, a lot of fear of that. And I think I would have gravitated to that side of the story a little bit later on, or if I'm 18, 19 watching this for the first time. Yeah, I think you're right. I would have connected with um, how do I grow and how do I give myself to a cause, but the cause being this kid. Um, I don't want to be a parent now. Back then I did. Um, so I would have really connected with that and seen that as part of the Star Wars story. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fascinating also to think about it from the Grogu perspective and like, yeah, to be like, uh, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm having a hard time at the school I'm at. Could you take me to Tython so I can like reach out into the force to go to the art school? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see if anybody will pick me up to where I will, you know, the, the training I need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the thing I was thinking about, um, is just how obviously it's all heightened, it, it, but it, but it is so much parenting like we see Din actively parenting between what you can and can't eat. Like you, we need to keep you safe. Here's your, you know, your, here's your pram, here's your walker. You know, there's within this great, exciting fantasy, there's these moments of sort of, um, you can connect them to the real. Mm -hmm. And I found myself really thinking about like, um, those moments for me in the original trilogy were things like, uh, walking in the snow, uh, particularly once it gets, you know, frighteningly, cold in minnesota or the mm. uh, winter's been going on forever and it's not even snow it's snurt a mixture of snow and dirt and it's just <sighs> disgusting there's moments that are not fun to yeah. be walking uh but as a kid i was like well i can imagine i'm luke you know yeah yeah <laughs> and that made it fun and i had this feeling of like wow if i was going to be a father now i could almost get like a little bit of star wars fun out of things that would be stressful because like if i'm picking out the pram i get to pretend i'm din <laughs> 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 it, just that that kind of opening of really showing you know yeah. some of the mundane of parenting but in the f- incredibly cool star wars way is fascinating to me uh, i gotta take my kid to work it works out okay for din okay it works out okay for din it's a, a lot of work a lot of work uh any other thoughts on um on uh, uh mandalorian is the beginning point no other than it's hard it's i yeah i'd love to sit down with someone in a couple years and they're like, oh, yeah, I was seven and my dad took put on Disney Plus and you know, my mom uh, took me here. Hey, that'd be fascinating. I, that's going to be a great conversation. Yeah, no, it, I so look forward to, you know, whatever years from now, whatever Star Wars movies come out. And, you know, if you'll get to hear people like, yeah, but they I don't think they really got Star Wars because they didn't do this like the Mandalorian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you think a big chunk of the future fandom will be uh, High Republic kids? people who started with the high Republic uh, books and comics. It seems, yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible, right? Um, yeah, it, it seems it's almost, it just, it, it just seems impossible with the amount of content out there. Right. Um, but yeah, I was, a, I was a book, I was a book kid, right? I know. I think you were too curl up by that Absolutely. space heater. I had a little fold out futon couch reading GI Joe, choose your own adventure stories and all those kind <laughs> of things. Yeah. I love, I loved reading as a kid and, and still do now. But, um, so I think there's those. And, and I think, uh, that's another fascinating perspective, uh, connecting to this big growing galaxy and what's the best way to grow it. That's, that's an interesting way uh, to look at star Wars. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like what you're saying, and it is uh, maybe there there's some kids out there already who are just like much more readers, and and High Republic is their only thing. But I also can, I'm so curious if there's going to be people who kids who read the High Republic, and yeah, they watched Mandalorian, they they saw Rise of Skywalker in the theater, but High Republic is what hooked them, right? Because there's a difference yeah. between what you see and what you're like, oh, I like that when I watched Mandalorian with the family, it was fine, but High Republic, here we go, you know. Yeah. I don't know. There's so much to me uh, that the fact that the books are at all these different age levels, uh, they offer that intimacy of it's, it's you alone with a book or an audio book. It, it, but then there is community, you know, online uh, and, and maybe at school or whatever. Uh, but you're also, you're in those characters heads and there are so many different young characters that you can choose to identify with. Right. I, I just feel like yeah, so many people in, in, in it's just starting can see themselves in, in different Padawans or Vernestra being, you know, Vernestra, the, the Jedi Knight at 16, you know, is the, absolutely the, like, uh, I'm doing well in school. (laughs) You know, I'm in advanced math and how how do I feel about that? I'm like Vernestra. Like there's so many ways to see yourself in the high Republic that I I think it might be a big factor in future fandom. Did you hear Krista graduated early? Did you hear that? She's she got out early, uh, would have been yeah. Well, it's it because yeah, with the with the, uh, you know the, the the emphasis on some of the YA stuff and, and middle grade readers, that's going to be the case. That's an interesting thing. Of if someone is uh you know nine years old right now, their 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 parents are going oh you yeah that Grogu thing yeah here here oh here's a Star Wars book it's for you. That is going to be their first real deep dive into Star Wars. Yeah. And I think it's going to create a little bit of that same feeling that I, that I think, you know, real lovers of, uh, of the expanded universe had of like that you get to spend a lot of time with the characters that you like much, much, much more time than, than movies. Right. And you get yeah. to wait for that next adventure with your favorite. Yeah. Just be my little, little bit more joy along the way, as well as meat eating plants. <laughs> exactly. All right. So heading into the future, there is going to be just so much Star Wars. Uh, you have the existing films that can be watched anytime. Future films, of course, all the Disney Plus shows, steady stream of books and comics of many different kinds. So, Ken, I think Star Wars will always be special, but I don't think it will be rare mm-hmm. like it was when we were young. What do you think that will be like? How do you think that will change Star Wars going forward? I maybe say this with hope that the feeling uh, I'll give the example, going back to music uh, of the Beatles and I'm in a tent at a slumber party in 1987. And a friend says to me, have you heard of the Beatles? And I said, I think I have. And he slips me a cassette and goes, it's called Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You're just going to love it. And I took it home and listened to it and was amazed and was like, dad, have you heard of the Beatles? (laughs) And I still hope that Star Wars can be like that in this age. It's, it's, it, you're so right. It's not rare now. It will be less rare even going forward. But you and I always talk about it was a little easier perhaps in that era. And also just the way society was, you're right. Like, and I love sports and I play sports, but I sat on the playground alone because no one really wanted to talk to me about Y wings. Um, I think other people did. <laughs> they just felt they couldn't. Uh, I was told to put it aside in the mid nineties. No, you're adult now. You're, you know, you, you want to go on a date. You can't like star Wars. That will be less and less. And I'm thankful for that, but Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that a kid who is handed 
uh, race to Crash Point Tower. We'll open it up and be like, close that book after finishing it and be like, wow, I can't wait to tell people about Star Wars. It will, this discovery will still be rare, even though the content and just the marketing and the debates <laughs> and the podcasts won't be rare. That's my hope. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think, yeah, there there's still like all these unique journeys of discovery that you're talking about. That's such a great story of your your moment of uh, of Beatles discovery. That drum beat at the beginning of uh, Sergeant Pepper's is what made me go, ah, maybe I will ask my dad to teach me to play the drums. That's just too right. damn cool. Um, yeah, so it, it'd be fascinating to just hear all the different stories of exactly how people discovered Star Wars. Um Big picture, I hope that we've talked a lot in our many food analogies for Star Wars, yeah. uh, that the dream of the buffet, <laughs> yeah. that there are many different Star Wars dishes and you can go, ooh, I find Kenobi extremely tasty, but you know what? Andor wasn't for me. <laughs> I'll pass on the Andor and I'll eat a little bit more Kenobi. Um, I really hope that that is a part of the future that Star Wars is is nice and expansive so you can be a Star Wars fan and you can have your preferences and you can have the things that are like, yeah, that's not as much for me. You know, I think this long journey that uh, that you and I are on the age of to, to go on is, you know, for a long time, the movies were the main thing. There were a trickle of books, comics, you know, but the movies were the big thing, the original trilogy. Uh, and they were such a blueprint of that's what Star Wars is, you know? Right. And I still have some friends who are, you know, they still love Star Wars. But if you really dig down, like they like the original trilogy and that's about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause that's Star Wars to them. And I think anybody who likes any part of Star Wars is a Star Wars fan. But I hope that we just really get to expand out from, you know, being okay with, uh, I was introduced to Star Wars here. So I have these preferences, but they're that, they're preferences. They're not the key to what Star Wars is. And so I can approach this buffet, this rich buffet, this endless buffet of, uh, I, I never got into the books, uh, but I like Disney Plus. Movies are fine, but I like High Republic. Uh, I really hope for that the future can bring a, a sense of uh, flexibility. And which, yes, well said, and also just shows the importance of uh, Lucasfilm needing to make sure all different kinds of styles of Star Wars and storytelling and and, and folks and representation and diversity and just diversity in how the stories are told needs to be there from galaxies of adventures to forces of destiny, the coloring books and comic books uh, and up to the movies. They've got to adapt to the changing landscape that is just exploded. Marvel, this streaming, this, that boom, boom, boom. Here's star Wars too. And it's got to connect in that intimate way in a, in a, while also being big. Yeah. Intimate and big. Yes. <laughs> the Star Wars story. Uh, we just answered a question on uh, Tuesday's News and Cues show about what scene we would show somebody uh, to get them hooked on, on Star Wars. But I want to ask a different version of that, that same spirit. Ken, if you were asked, if you were given the assignment to start a 10-year-old on their Star Wars journey, how would you go about it? How would you start someone on Star Wars who... who was explicitly saying, <laughs> Master Nabsock, yeah. teach me the ways of Star Wars. Where would you begin? You know, and it's for over the years and years and years, we've always been asked, uh, you know, what I got my kid, uh, what should I do? And I always answer, release order, release order. And that's probably still where I would 
go, but that just almost doesn't seem right now, huh? I mean, it. <laughs> it's like, do you hold, do you put out a bunch of movie posters? Just hold them up maybe on your phone and, and ask this 10 year old, uh, what poster do you gravitate to? <laughs> well, I right. look this. Oh, that's, that's Star Wars Rebels. You're going to start here. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's almost, it's become such a big question, Joseph, like five years ago in four center, this would be an easy answer for me. And uh, now that makes me think it wasn't the right answer ever. Uh, the way I saw it is not necessarily the only way. Um, it just doesn't seem fair of me to do that. But that said, here's a TV VHS copy <laughs> of A New Hope. See it the way I saw it, kids, <laughs> in glorious pan and scan with lots of commercials yeah. for microwaves. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think similar to my answer on um, on Tuesday for the news and cues, I'd be interested in, you know, what, what the kid likes. Uh, but if it really was like, no, no, you, you just have to decide. Uh, I think I would show them uh, a new hope. Yeah. Uh, but I think I would say like star Wars is like a big bang and it goes off in all sorts of directions. But here was the first thing. And I'm going to show you the first thing and we can go wherever you want from there. Cause everything explodes in different directions mm -hmm. from this. Um, and then my other caveat, I did it. I did this a while ago and I wrote it down, but I, I, I couldn't find it this morning before we started recording. I'm so obsessed with the idea of Star Wars as an adventure serial. At one point, I broke down how many chapters I would break A New Hope into and exactly where I would break it so it would have a cliffhanger. <laughs> and I love A New Hope with all my heart, but it is a little slower, particularly at the beginning, than so much modern storytelling. Yes, yes. So I think I would break it into cliffhangers. Ooh. And, and have, uh, <laughs> have the kid wait like a day in between and, and show them a new hope over like three to four days broken up into cliffhangers. It's fascinating. I love yeah. that. I love, yeah. We'll pitch. Yeah. I want to, I want to know your break points. <laughs> yeah. I'll look them up. I'll, they're on, I got to uh, reboot an old computer and then I'll, I'll get my exact break points yes. back. I wrote down time codes and yeah. everything. I must've really been procrastinating on something <laughs> to do great. that. Uh, but to quickly follow up to what you're saying there, there is something to that. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, my answer is kind of like, I don't know. I started this way, but what you're saying is that uh, is something that does connect into what we talk about a lot of things of what is actually at the core of star Wars, this idea of hope, confronting fear, finding hope on it for all these big things that you and I light versus dark. I do think that the, that DNA is so present in A New Hope that it is right to say all all other Star Star Wars becomes a little different or is similar, but all of it does connect to the heart of this film. And if you can communicate that to a ten year old, that's a good starting <laughs> point. I think that's a, that's a great answer from you. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you. Might, might not be the right answer for that uh, imaginary ten year old, but uh, uh, I guess we'll find out uh, in my imagination. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on this uh, big idea of where we start with Star Wars? The only thing you can hear me struggling at the end is is uh, I've just become so fascinated with entry points. But I think how we view other people's entry points gives us a point of choice that aligns with the heart of Star Wars, this generational thing and the idea to uh, not fight the change and uh, to not hold on to uh, this sense of power you might have with the way you saw it. I think there's an inherent lesson for all of us there that the prequels, even EU stuff, which maybe I failed at a little bit, but the prequels come along and I definitely failed. And, and it became a lesson of, of moving on change, uh, but all kind of being for the same goal and how you must let go. And I think uh, that's a constant lesson for star Wars fans, letting go of the way you came into it to allow others to join you on the journey. 
Yeah, no, I, I do think this kind of mental exercise does reflect a lot of uh, Star Wars ideas. This is a very, uh, you'll find the truths you cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Um, and I think for me, there is the the excitement of when I get to hear somebody else's uh, point of view of where they began and what it meant to them. Because like I said, we, we've spent this podcast role-playing, uh, imagining and taking a little of our own life experiences. But it's so great to hear other people's experiences and learn more about Star Wars from them, uh, learn more about generational change from them, learn more just about somebody's unique life experience. That stuff is all great. And I think the big thing for me is, you know, it does not take away my point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my my point of view is is mine formed by growing up with the original trilogy in exactly the way I did. And I can own those experiences and enjoy them. And I can even reflect back, like, remember when Star Wars was a little bit more rare and so it, it felt different and enjoy those memories but not make it that everything has to be that, you know, yeah. that's the, that's the joyful thing about this to me of like, I can enjoy uh, the Star Wars experiences that shape me without denying anyone else's, but in fact, trying to enjoy other people's experiences as well. Cause our experiences don't take from one another. They just, you know, add up to this massive tapestry of uh, Star Wars through the generations. Yeah. 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 All right. I got one final question for you, Ken. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are Star Wars fans of absolutely every kind. Do you think there are any fans who are only fans of the Star Wars holiday special and nothing else? She won't admit it. If you sit her down and and, and tell her you got to tell the world, she won't admit it. But Jennifer Landa, (laughs) the Star Wars holiday special only fan. She'll throw (laughs) stuff about it, Return of the Jedi and Ewoks and other stuff. Oh, she likes Solo. She's really looking forward to Book of Boba Fett. Jennifer Landa is a Star Wars holiday special only fan. That is great. I love the idea of this person out there who is well aware of the existence of Star Wars, but their huge passion in life is just incredibly odd 70s uh, variety shows uh, that moment where the grand tradition of vaudeville that had been through in the entertainment industry was struggling <laughs> struggling to stay alive and to match the new forms of entertainment that are coming out that they're just a huge fan of variety shows like all the other Star Wars is fine but uh, is it Star Wars if they don't sing and cook? No, no. not to me <laughs> Look, as someone who grew up watching The Muppet Show, which was technically a variety show on the same night as the Mandrell Sisters variety show, I think if I had really seen the holiday special back then, I would have connected in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's our big look at where you start with Star Wars. And as we said a couple of times, uh, we are always excited to hear about other people's uh, perspectives of where they start. So if you listen to this and you want to let us know, send us a message any of the many places that we can be found. And in fact, Ken, where can we be found? Well, I'm so glad you brought it up. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod, Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast is available on a lot of spots, including iHeartRadio. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Spotify, and more. Just search, and we 
will be there. If we're not, let us know. Uh, merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. From there, you can get into our discord where Alden Diaz will tell me how to say the name Dua Lipa correctly or Lipa <laughs> or Lupa. She's talented. That's all he'll tell me in that discord. Uh, you can uh, support us there. Like I said, uh, you can find me at Cadnapsock or go to my website, Cadnapsock.com. From there, if you want to, you can listen directly to my music show, Pop Rock and Radio on Mixcloud or on my website. If you want to continue the music discussion that we started here today, Joseph, where can they follow you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all of my other comedy adventures, my other podcast obsessed, uh, TV shows I've written for, all that kind of thing, you can find on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for people who only think it's Star Wars, if there's cooking and singing, this has been Four Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.